0: excited to be back. Uh, if We are in week four of a series called Believe, and um, we want to encourage you guys, really, uh, this sermon is going to be really difficult for me, uh, but I, if you want to kind of catch up, I would encourage you to listen to week one, then week two, then week three. They were ridiculous, and we had some really good speakers. Uh, we're talking about eternity today, what we believe in regards to eternity, and uh, this is a, a, a kind of a weird Palm Sunday message. I've never done not a Palm Sunday message, but when it fell with eternity and the outreach we did yesterday, it real. I realized that we are culminating up to something and we're believing that uh, next week will be a great harvest, uh, that people come to know Jesus here in our church. And so, um, yeah, eternity. This morning on accident, uh, so I had written this message and I've been writing it for like two months, and because I was off the last three weeks, I, I put some extra work in, and I ended up with like nine pages of sermon notes, which for me is, is a lot. And on accident this morning, I wake up to pray about three o'clock. And uh, so I'm about 3:45, my sermon got deleted on accident. And, uh, and I was like, "Well, okay, well, here we go. So anyways, this is the better revised version for you. And uh, we're going to try to see how this thing goes. We're talking about eternity today and what we believe. And this is the most simple uh, Protestant belief system on what we believe in regards to eternity. Uh, and so, uh, but it is heavy and I want you to know, I do believe there is a disclaimer uh, for all of y'all to know. I don't think yet I have been to heaven, uh, or to hell, Um, and so, but you would say like, well, then how, how do you champion the subject? Uh, I don't know, but there's a lot of flight attendants that have been on airplanes that have told me what to do in case of emergency. And I don't think they've been in that case of emergency. You know, I think there's a lot of scientists that have told me a lot about dinosaurs that they've yet to meet one. Uh, and, uh, and so I know that there's a lot of people that uh, can talk about what space looks like and they've not been there. And so, but I want you to know today that I am, I do believe that I'm qualified to tell you the roadmap to how to get to eternity and what it's going to look like, just based on this guy alone. His name was Jesus, and he said, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and Hades. That is awesome. Let's pray. Hey, Jesus, I'm going to need your help here. I love you. Amen. So uh, my first point today is that we will all face eternity. I'm going to give you a little statistics. Uh, they, they did some polls, and uh, they polled about 10,000 people, and they found out, yep, every single one of them going to face eternity. (laughs) 1,000 out of 1,000, 10 million out of 10 million, we will all face eternity. And uh, it's important for you to know that what happens on the other side uh, is determined by the way that we live our life on this side. Uh, Wasn't it uh, from gladiator Magnus who said, what we do in life, men? No one. Echoes in eternity. Come on, guys. Anyways, uh, so uh, what happens on, on that side determine, is determined by what happens on this side. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says it this way Just as people are destined to die once and after that face judgment, just as man is determined, uh, is, is destined to die once and after that face the judgment. You know, there are several questions that people ask about eternity. Like like this, they say, uh, you know, can, um, can, we, can we live twice? Can I repent in, uh, later when I get to purgatory? Or can I ask for forgiveness once I get to heaven? Uh, I think the answer to all of those questions is found in Hebrews chapter 9. For it is destined for every man to die once. We don't come back as a butterfly. We don't come back as a cow. We don't get a second shot at this thing. Every man is destined to die Once. And so it's massively critical that we pay attention to the way that we spend this life. Because after that, there will come a judgment. Um, There's not a a, a time in between. It was uh, Jesus that was asked the question on the cross. uh, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And he said this. He said, I tell you the truth that today, not not, not in 25 years from now, not after you live another life, today you'll be with me in paradise. Right, Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the, with the Lord. And so the moment that we uh, close our eyes in this world, we open them to the next. And uh, I want you to understand that after this life, we face judgment. Which really brings me to my second point today, is that we will all face judgment. This is a, a belief that Baptist and Spirit-filled and Presbyterian, it's, it's the theology of the great white throne judgment. It's really what happens next. And it is, in my eyes, the most sobering, holy, wow moment. Goosebumps, beyond goosebumps when I think about it. And what's crazy is I think every human on the face of the planet, when they close their eyes, they can see it. It's like instinctively, this moment. Let me take you there in Scripture. In Revelations chapter 20, verse 11 uh, and 12, it says this. He says, I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it. Whew. And I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were opened, including the book of life. Jesus would tell the same story in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 25. He says that, that when, I, when I'm there in throne and glory, he said all men and women will be there before the throne. And in this story, he tells the parable of how he, in that moment, he will separate the sheep from the goats, I think it's an awesome parable, awesome illustration. Is how he would explain to us that those that follow him blindly, and those that cannot be trained and cannot be listened to, that those that only want to do what they want to do, will have a different direction. And he says that one will enter into eternal damnation, and one will enter into eternal glory. These are not my words. These are Jesus's. And and as I I lean into this story, there are many, many more passages that Jesus and the scriptures would portray the same great white throne judgment. Jesus would say it this way, and this is probably my least favorite scripture in all of the Bible, I gotta admit. It it scares me to no end. And I try to say it as loud and sober as possible. Our Savior would say it this way in Matthew chapter seven, verse 21 Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father, the sheep, who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, But Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And didn't we drive out demons in your name? And didn't we perform miracles for you? Wouldn't I, a pastor, Jesus, didn't we serve on the serve team and worship on the worship team? Didn't we attend church every week, but we gave to, to, the, to the, that fund, Lord? But I, I don't know you. And he would separate us to eternal damnation. This is a horrifying, sobering moment because I think that it's important that we understand the standard to which Jesus is saying it's not whether you recognize that he's Lord. It's whether we follow him. No, Lord, are we trying? I'm trying, Lord. Before I move on, Jesus says this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me, not yet, guys, hold on. Um, no, no, wait, wait. We got a lot of time Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 who believes in me, the one uh, who believes in me will live, and even though they die, and whoever lives by believing me will never die do you believe this? Do you believe that the one who lives for me by believing in me, who lives because they believe in me? And I have found that to be the most sobering reality in my life now is that everything I depend on Jesus for. Do you believe this? And so, in this moment, there will be this great invitation. Uh, I'm I'm praying and hoping that he bids me that I I did live my life for him and that I did love him and that I did submit and surrender to his leadership and his following and I enter into glory. And I believe that will be the greatest moment of my life. Heaven. Let me read you an awesome passage about what Jesus would say to those who are his sheep who did follow him. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this. And I will be their God and they will be my children. He says, look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all the people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who, who wash their robes. For they will be permitted to enter through the gates and the city and eat the fruit of the tree of life. The Spirit and the bride say, come, that anyone who hears... They say, come, let anyone who is thirsty, let him come, he who desires and drinks freely from the water of life. And I'm so grateful that I've heard that invitation and I've ran so hard after it. Let me explain a couple things that we believe about heaven. Uh, And uh, I think it's important for you to learn. I'm going to try to go quickly because there's a lot of material to go over. And so the first thing I think you need to know about heaven, a lot of people think, man, heaven's going to be super boring. We're probably just going to float around on clouds, play a lot of harps and sing a lot of songs for eternity. And I got to admit to you that I think that that is so not what I see in Jesus. Let me explain to you. There will be work to be done when we get to heaven just based on who I know Jesus to be. And when I'm reading stories that Jesus would say about eternity and his work here on earth, Jesus would say in John chapter 4, he, he, the disciples are talking to him and they asked him if he ate, and he said, nope, I ate already, but the food that I ate came for me when I was fulfilled because of the work my father gave me to do it while, while I'm here on this earth. Jesus would say later, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you He says, I'm going to build uh, my father's house. There are many mansions, and I'm preparing a place just for you. And he's been working for 2,000 years on this place that he's building for you and I. Jesus would say, I only do the work that the father gives me to do. And as we see who Jesus is, we're made in his image. In Genesis chapter 2, Jesus put us here in the perfect heaven and garden of Eden to do work. Work. And tend the land and work the harvest. It was, we were designed to do work always. And we will be working while we're in heaven. And it will be the most fulfilling assignments that he's ever given us. To serve one another. Because I have friends that love to work all day and all night. And it's fulfilling when we're doing it for people. It's hard when it's for duty. Or for a paycheck. Mm. I love to be a gatekeeper in the house of God. I'm so thankful for those that serve here. The second thing I think you need to know, that what heaven will be like, we will know each other. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter five that, that um, he's talking about how we, he desires to take off this body, this body. I got to get rid of it. I got to get rid of it, but I want to put on the new body. I can't wait for the new body that's going to be given to me. And what I think it's important for us to understand is that we will be given a new body. And, and, and throughout scripture, there are many people that are recognized that are already in heaven, like Elijah and Moses and Abraham and even Jesus. And so while, while we know who they are, they didn't always look like they did look. Like Jesus, a lot of people didn't recognize him at first, but then as he began talking, they began to understand who he was. See, it's important you understand that we'll be given a new body. And so there may be six-year-old little kids in heaven that are grown up. There may be some people that are super old on earth, all of a sudden, they got their wind back, and they may look completely different because we're going to be given some new bodies, but we'll know each other, and we'll know the things that... Okay, I have to keep going. Uh, here's, here's a cool scripture that I, I found so beautiful, and I wanted to share it here with you this morning. This is in Revelations uh, chapter 21, verse 4, and he says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, and no more mourning, and no more crying, and no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away, and he who is seated on the throne said this, I am making everything new. And I think that that is such a promise to so many that may have lost a loved one or that may have had suffering in their current body. It's important that you understand that Jesus is going to make some things look a lot different than what you know it to be today. Aren't you grateful for the promise, the reward that he's bringing with him for us? I have to keep going. Uh, There's another thing I think you need to understand about what heaven is. It's going to be unimaginably beautiful. I mean, the scripture would go, Revelations 21 through 22 through 25, and I saw a new temple and a new city and the Lord Almighty and the (laughs) Lamb and its temple. And the city has no need for the sun or the moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city and the Lamb is its light the nations will walk in its light and the kings of the world will enter through the city in all of their glory and its gates will never be closed day and night. It says that all of the nations will gather together. All the people will gather together. As he goes on, he says, not only uh, um, in Revelations 18 and 19, he says that the walls will be made of jasper and the city will be made of pure gold and it's clear as glass and the wall of the city will be built on foundations of stone he would go on to talk about all kinds of crazy, glorious, beautiful things that we're going to see in heaven. And I think heaven is designed without sin. everything is pure as it was originally intended to be. Keith Green sang this song years ago, and I, I love, man, he's, Keith, if you don't know who Keith Green is, you need to check him out on Spotify. He's the man, craziest guy in the world, you know, but he's, he, he wrote this song, and he said, man, you know, God, he created all of these beautiful waterfalls and these stars in the sky and these sunsets, and he did it all in six days, but Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and he's been building it for 2,000 years. Can you imagine how glorious it's going to be for you? Mm-hmm. The scripture would say it this way, uh, Would you put that next verse up for me, brother? He says, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And then there are the things I think that matter even more significantly than that. Would you guys come? Like his throne. When, when when John would talk about his throne and how majestic it is, he would use things like... And what's crazy is they didn't have like TV or they didn't see laser light shows. And so they're trying to use words like when I saw his throne, it was like a sea of glass. And there was... I, I heard like thunder coming from the throne and i saw lightning bolts coming it was like crazy there was rainbows and when i I looked at him who sat on it and all i can see was like sapphire and it was like and he's like there's he's, he's trying to describe these words that are nothing like anything he's ever seen in this world before and as you hear people that may have had heavenly experiences they would say it's like wave after wave after wave after wave of pure glory Pure glory, pure glory, pure glory. And everyone that surrounds the throne would be singing these crazy songs like, Man, holy is the Lord. Isaiah chapter six, holy is the Lord, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And the train of his robe, it, it fills the temple. I mean, even what he's wearing is just awesome. They don't know how to describe him who sits on it. And so they're using the words of the angels around him and the creatures that are just crying out, God, you are like nothing else. The whole earth is filled with your glory. You're holy. And I, I think about how awesome and how high his throne is above even the heavens. And I think of all of that is nothing. Compared to point number five, it's really all about the one that will be his name is Jesus in Revelations chapter 21 they, 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 John tells this story about how we're going to get to actually walk with him and that he'll live among us like I'll be friends with the guy whose faith will be unfaithful beyond faithful will be unfaithful John, in John 17, chapter uh, 3, John 17, verse 3, he says this, and this is eternal life, that they would just know you. Imagine spending eternity getting to know the one who is faithful and kind and loving and generous. And because he's so filled with love, he thought of us, and he wanted to redeem us and rescue us. And I can't wait for the moment where I see him, but I recognize that every encounter in scripture, when they see him, The very first thing that happens, I I like, I tell everyone, like, I can't wait to wrap my arms around him. But every encounter in scripture, you know what happens? They fall at their face. John, uh, Revelations chapter 2, there's this story about, about Jesus, and John saw him. It's his best friend, for crying out loud. He hasn't seen him in 60 years. You'd think there'd be this great moment. Nope. John gets right on his face, and he says, oh, man, and I fell to the ground as if I was dead, and I heard him speaking, and his voice sounded like many waters, and I looked up and his hair was white like wool and it was like there was fire in his eyes like there was a glow about him, a radiance and I, all I know is that whatever I know about Jesus I don't really know yet but I can't wait for the moment that he is the light of the city that there is no evening because that guy walks through it and his voice is like many waters All I know is that today I don't deserve to live to this place. I don't deserve to visit this place, but he lifted me up and he told me he loved me and that I was worthy and that he had a plan for my life and that he wants to use me to reach other people and that God, all I know is that God loved me. He put gifts in my life and people that love me in my life and he surrounded me with good things. And all I know is that in that day, it makes more sense why the creatures sing holy. Holy are you, God. There's no one like you. There's no one generous like you. There's no one loving like you. There's no one faithful like you. There's no one kind like you. There's no one, there's no one like you. And so, beloved, I would ask you, would you listen to the songs of the angels of heaven and everyone that in Scripture writes and documents an encounter with the Lord Their song would sound something like this and we're going to enter into a time of worship right now and I don't know what your time is going to look like. You can stand, you can sit, you can come down to the altar but I believe this is a song that's going to come from heaven. It's going to sound something like this. made to worship you I believe I was made for you in moments like this I'm just thankful that you are redeeming me transforming me making me like you I can feel the call of God on my life I can feel heaven and Pulling. I worship you. King Jesus. Jesus, would you use me to speak your word? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I got to tell you, I'd love to just worship the rest of this service. And there's a lot of part of me that thinks that that would be probably the best thing we can do. I had a fantastic mentor years ago. His name was Pastor Scott. And he, he warned me. He said, man, there's, you can worship on earth and you can worship in heaven you can fellowship on earth, you can fellowship in heaven, you can feast with the body of Christ, and you can feast the body of Christ in heaven. There's one thing you can't do in heaven, and that's win souls. And uh, friends, I gotta tell you, I'm broken, and I don't I don't really like this message, and I don't like that I've written it for a month, and so I gotta tell you I gotta keep going here. Whew love you guys. I pray for you all the time. Some months ago, some years ago, I'm sorry, R.C. Sproul, he was uh, one of the greater theologians of of our generation. He died a couple years ago. He was asked just maybe four years ago um, what, what the worst, the most difficult doctrine is for him. And he said, with absolute certainty, it's the doctrine of hell. I'm grateful for that because I got to tell you, I I struggle with it too. And I think some of you sitting here do. The problem I have with that is um, Jesus talked about it so much. In the New Testament, there's 162 references to eternity in hell. More than 70 of them came from the same guy that we believe will be our access to get to heaven. What's mind-boggling to me is, is they say that 82% of people in America today believe in heaven, but only four out of 10 Christians believe that without Jesus, none of us will see heaven. It's crazy that like, we're dismissing a whole conversation because of how uncomfortable it is. But what's important is if we do that, guys, if we if we take away the doctrine of of hell, then what happens to those who have been raped or abused or abandoned or taken advantage of? What's important that you understand that the God of love is a God of justice. And his holiness will tolerate zero evil. And that is, cannot be abandoned. By the church or his believers. And so what happens is when the doctrine of hell comes up, it makes us feel uncomfortable. It's like, who wants to watch Schindler's List a second time? Yeah. No one. Because it's uncomfortable. Fantastic movie, I don't like it. And what happens as believers is we don't like discomfort. If, if someone tells you you have a cavity, you'll live life ignoring the reality that something is wrong. Your finances are bad, eh. Put it on the credit card. Marriage is bad? Eh, it'll go away. And we just ignore massive catastrophic problems in our life because they make us feel uncomfortable. And the enemy is finding a way to make us like, if, if if the church you go to, the AC isn't cold enough, you should find another church. If the worship isn't good enough, you should worship in another house. Like it's all about comfort. And I got to explain to you, man, like It's good to have discomfort. That's where growth comes from. And I gotta tell you, if we abandon the doctrine of hell, you will never grow. Because what happens is we abandon the glory of the gospel. It's where the wages of sin is death. But the gift of life is through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, I'm sorry a long time to cry and think about this and so I get kind of excited some cool scriptures there in Second Peter you should check out but my second point one you need to know that eternity in hell is real and um, I I think that by and large that, that we're abandoning this conversation second thing As your pastor, I want you to understand is that hell is a place of judgment. That was his purpose. Let me show you one of the verses here in Matthew chapter 25. And then they will say to those who are on his left, depart from me, you curse it, and into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and who? And his angels. It's important for you to understand that this is important. Like, because there's things that I know people ask, like, well, why would a loving God send people to hell? You ever heard that? First of all, it's important you understand that hell was not created for people. It was created for the enemy. But it's really important for you to understand that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts and he is far above us and it creates a lot. I think what the enemy tries to do is confuse us as if we could understand what's going on on his level But it requires a lot of arrogance to imply that we understand something greater than him. Um, who who um, they, then they will be punished with an everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. Second. 2 Thessalonians 1.9, the Apostle Paul would write that, and they would be shut out from the presence of God. It's important for you to understand this, church. Um, there's a lot of different understandings about hell, heaven and hell, and, and uh, the doctrine can, can move around a little bit. Like, we're not 100% certain what this looks like. We're not 100% certain what this looks like. Uh, one of the greatest books that I've written on the eternity um, is by uh, my favorite preacher right now, uh, Francis Chan, and uh, it's called Erasing Hell erasing hell, erasing hell. You're going to want to read this. It's actually the opposite of what you think it is. Uh, he's actually writing it to let people know that we can't get away from this subject. Um, but they do a lot of research in this. And uh, it's important that um, um, Charles um, Spurgeon said that, that uh, what hell would look like would just be the loss of heaven and eternity, being in outer darkness away from God's glorious light, away from God's glorious love, away from God's glorious giftings and compassion and generosity, uh, any, a lifetime away from Jesus. I don't celebrate this doctrine. I don't, um, it breaks my heart knowing that there's people that I love that might go to hell. Um, it's also important that you understand this Coming from your pastor, um, I have never reserved judgment for anyone's funeral that I've done, whether they're going to heaven or hell. I think that that is the sole authority of the one who sits on the throne that gets to separate those things. And I don't think we ever have the right based on what lifestyle we know of anyone. Because when Jesus looked at the thief on the cross and said, today you'll be with me in paradise, there's a lot going on in heaven that I don't know about. Okay? And so uh, it's important that we all reserve judgment for, for, for the, the one who uh, knows a lot more than me. But it's massively critical that we live lives worthy of the call of God that's on our life based on heaven and hell. Um, I know that hell is um, forever, um, and so is heaven. The same word in Matthew chapter 25 used for eternal fire and eternal punishment was also used for eternal life. And I think it's funny how a lot of doctrines today will lean to eternal life because it sounds better and more comfortable. So who goes there? Who goes to hell? I had to lean heavily on some uh, theologians that are much smarter than me, um, and I believe that the greatest mind of the last several centuries is C.S. Lewis. I don't know if you guys have read anything by him, but he's a, a genius, and uh, he he said this: I'm willing to believe that the damned are, in one sense, successful rebels to the end, and that the doors of hell were locked from the inside. What he's saying is um, they never wanted God. They lived an entire life saying no. In one sense, God doesn't send anyone to hell. We, We send ourselves. Hell is the culmination of telling God to get out. You keep telling God to leave you alone, and finally God will say, okay, that's why the Bible describes this as, as darkness. God is light. and his absence, is darkness. The earth experienced light and things like love and friendship and beauty and creation. These are all remnants of the light of God's presence. But when you tell God that you don't want him as the Lord or the center of your life, eventually you will get your wish. And go with God and all of his gifts. And you have two options, to live with God or to live without him. And if you say, I don't want God's authority, I would rather live by myself. That's going to be hell. It'll be funny. This will be one sermon that no one listens to a second time. He <laughs> uh, yeah. will say to God, thy will be done. And in the end, the Lord will also say to some others, let your will be done. And that's eternity. I chose God and to yield myself like a sheep to him. Or I chose to reject his brilliance and his guidance and his direction for my life. That's eternity. We're choosing it on a daily basis. This is why Jesus said in John 17, this is eternal life, to know Jesus. I chose to yield to him every day, or I chose to do it on my own. Matthew 13 said this, again, the kingdom of heaven was like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. And when the net was full, they dragged it up on the shore and they sat down and they sorted out the good fish in the crates they threw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be in the end of the world when the angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I think this is how we're going to close the service today. I'm going to skip a lot of content. I went, I skipped a lot of content. (sighs) Okay, pull it together. People, you don't know are here. (sighs) So, um, there's a lot of friends that I have that are unbelievers, and we 've had conversations round and round about things like this, you know and uh, I always come back to um I know that i 'm right because I get to experience him every day i mean i i, I'm, I'm, I don 't know what 's going on with you when you 're worshiping, but he 's here and he 's moving and he's he, you know why I know he's it's he 's God is because he doesn 't tell me things I want to hear <laughs> Like, shut up or give your money to the. (laughs) This is not things the Lord does, you know, if He likes me. But He does like me, and so He knows what's best for me, and He knows the money shouldn't be the king of my life. And and if I'm going to look like Him, it's going to require generosity. I'm rambling now. Okay. There's a passage in uh, Luke chapter 9. I'm sorry 16 it's about the parable of the rich man and uh, and Lazarus and Jesus is talking about eternity and in it he explains that um, everyone dies he's trying to tell a story of situations that are going to come that he sees in the future and in this story this rich man died and he had a servant and um, they, they both um, one went to eternity in hell and one went to eternity in heaven and that the rich man who was in hell begged jesus um to send his servant i think it's funny because he assumed that the same level of comfort and authority that he possessed on this earth would be the same level of comfort and authority he possessed in eternity and he asked if um he could send lazarus back to tell his family of the eternal suffering that he's feeling and uh Jesus explains that we had Moses and we had the scripture and we had the heavens declaring God's righteousness and we had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to to know what we were supposed to do anyway. Well, no. And this story exists for me because though Lazarus was denied the opportunity to send Lazarus back I feel like Jesus is telling me today that I am Lazarus. I'm the one that gets to go back for your family and go back for your friends and go back for your coworkers. I think about movies all the time when I think about eternity. Uh, I think about like Schindler's List, like that scene at the end of the movie when he had saved hundreds of people's lives, hundreds of people's lives. But in the end, he looked at his car and goes, what did I do? I wasted so much on me. Look at all the gold, this gold pin. I, I bought a gold pin for what? Look at what I could have done with this gold pin. I could have reached people with the gospel of Jesus with this gold pin. And I just wonder, what are we doing? Well, what I know is that you believe in heaven, and I know that you believe in hell. And I wonder if we're living lives that would scream that. Charles Spurgeon said this. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap over, let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with their arms about their knees and let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. As your pastor, this is how I dare you to close today. There are people in your life that would come to church if you invited them. This year has been hell for a lot of people and absolutely bonkers and crazy. And people want to get back to normal. There are people that you know that are not going to church but would like a little bit of normal. They would like a photo with their family at a photo booth after service. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me right now? Jesus told the story of rich man and Lazarus. I wonder who in your life could you go for? You could worship in heaven, you can worship on earth, but the only thing you can't do there that you can do here is win souls. Would have bring in a family to the presence of God made a difference who in your life needs to hear the gospel as your pastor I don't ask you very often to invite a friend to church I'll do it twice a year I'm begging you for eternity's sake who who could God put a burden on your life you could change and make an eternal difference in their life if they were just here I'm just going to ask you to follow that leading. But before we move on, I want to make sure there's a difference between sheep and goats. Many of us could say, Lord, Lord, we did a lot of things for you, but I don't... Is my life following you? Do I live to serve you? Today, there may be some here that Under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, he's telling you, you need to check some things today. It's a sobering word. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Pastor Tim, I'm not following Jesus, but today I'm going to. Today I give my life to Jesus. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you raise your hand right now if that's you? God bless you. Man, that's powerful. <laughs> anyone else I need to submit to Jesus? And I pray for you that you would have ears to hear the Holy Spirit, that you would, the Holy Spirit would fall upon you, that he would forgive you, that he would give you eyes to hear our eyes to see and ears to hear what he is saying and doing in your life everywhere you go. That you would be born again and he would make all things new in your life. I pray he would give you his Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. We're ending earlier today than normal. I'm excited about a lot of things. I'm proud of all of you guys that came out yesterday and got out of your comfort zone and went and did anything for Jesus. It was super fun for me. We go knocking on strangers' doors, and uh, I, I, I like it. I'm a glutton for punishment. I, I was rejected about 40 times, I think, yesterday, and I, I love it. Um, I just think we're living in such a day and age where we've got to live so intentional. This sermon is not your favorite Hosanna service, but if we were honest, what Palm Sunday is, uh, it was a bunch of fake praise anyway. All the people that worshiped him last, that Sunday, three days later were the same people that wanted him dead. And uh, if Jesus is going to be the Lord of our life, he's going to lead us in uncomfortable things. And so why not start with a really uncomfortable conversation? Hey, we're a church that believes in discipleship. I want my life to look like Jesus. I want to be a disciple of God, and I want to make an eternal difference in people's lives. And I believe we're going to do just that. I love you guys, and I'm I'm forever thankful. We're planning and preparing a service that's super special next week for um, to reach people with the gospel and the good news of Jesus. And it's going to be a sweet spirit service. <laughs> Probably not one that's crazy like this one, but um, or at least I hope not. I'll be crying the whole time. Uh, uh, but um. I want to ask you to join me starting today. Uh, We're going to be posting some things on our app every day this week. Uh, This is Holy Week. And uh, I don't know where you're at in your relationship with Jesus or His Holy Word, but we've got to read God's Word on a daily basis. We've got to get it in us because that's what directs our life. We don't live by our our own wisdom. We live by His. And so this week is a great opportunity for you to discover why Jesus loves you and why He had to come and die. And so it starts with Palm Sunday, with him riding in on a horse and people singing to him. And so uh, we're going to be posting things on our app. And it's a great opportunity for you to do a short devotion every week and follow Jesus on the way to the cross and back to his crazy resurrection. I pray that you join us this week. I pray that this week is the greatest week in your life spiritually um, and that you fall head over heels in love with Jesus because he's, he's passionately in love with you. You need to know that he thinks... Way higher of you Than you think of yourself In fact so much that He gave you his spirit To go and change this world And I believe you're going to do it Just that this week Father I thank you that you're with us I thank you that this is a church Fully alive Fully on fire for you I love you with all of my heart And I'm thankful that you came and died for me And I'm thankful that you see What you see in me Because often I can't see it in myself You are the best thing in my life. You are faithful and you are good and you are true and you are loving and you are restoring and you are hope. Lead me, God, into a dark world to people that are in need of the good news of the gospel and the love that you have for them. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all God's people said. I love you guys. Hey, go give them heaven this week.